0: Welcome to Founding Impact, where we talk about impact startup ecosystem in Europe. I'm Maciej Gałkiewicz.
1: And I'm Kasia Zalewska. We are Impact Angel investors from Ragnarsson. Hey guys, welcome back to Founding Impact. Uh, Today we're going to talk with Grzegorz Kołodziejczyk, CTO of Ragnarsson. And we want to ask him a couple of questions that we quite recently are getting from our founders. And the question is actually, when do I need a CTO in my company and do I really need him? Uh, Greg, welcome. Uh, Could you please uh, tell a couple of words about yourself?
2: Hello, uh, my name is Greg. I am the CTO at Ragnarsson. I've been working with Ruby professionally for 12 years now. I've been a CTO for the past five-ish. And during my career, I worked mostly in an agency, which means that I worked with multiple startups at various stages and in various roles. So I hope I can give some insight into the tech side of the startup world.
0: Cool. Thank you so much, Greg, for the for the intro. I think it would be maybe great to start with like having a better understanding of what it actually means to maybe not to have a CDO, but what it means to have a some like some kind of a technical lead that would help with developing a software product that the startup is trying to build.
2: Mm-hmm. So the way I look at this is that any startup has the business side and the technical side and someone has to be eventually responsible for both of those, right? There is the, CTO, the CEO at the top who's responsible for the people responsible for those two parts. But in the end, there has to be someone that is accountable for the success of both parts. And depending on what kind of business you're building, this role varies and what i mean by this is that i think it's useful to from from the start divide startups into those that are innovative on the technology side and those that are innovative on the business side. So pretty much every new company right now is kind of a tech company because you can't build anything at all right now without uh, building the tech component. But not every innovation is on the tech side, right? So if you have an innovative business model and all you need on the technical side is well-functioning online store, you're not really a tech company, right? But if your innovation is in a new system for automating distribution process or like the warehousing process, which means that you're 10 times more efficient at selling things than you're a tech company, right? So we have this basic distinction. And then going from that, we could think about like, what are the responsibilities of the person leading the, the tech site in, in those two cases?
0: So the, the first one that you mentioned, like not so, uh, the example that you gave was, was an e-commerce business. I mean, I, I, I can imagine people arguing that are still at, that they still think that they're a tech company even though they are building a solution like that. So is there any indicator of how how much tech you need to have or something like that that would help them to determine, mm-hmm. you know, if this is like sophisticated or enough? Well,
2: one way you could look at this is by asking has this been built in this way before right that's key indicator of innovation right there's nothing like this on the market at all but you mean from from the technical technical perspective perspective. so like Mm -hmm. if you are selling a new kind of thing the innovation is on the product side not on the technical side but if you are selling Mm -hmm. a new kind of way then the innovation is on the on the technical side a recent example or a discussion I, i heard online was is netflix a tech company and the idea was that it isn't it's actually a media company but it used incoming technology as a way to like get their way into the market. Similar in a way where like years ago, satellite networks came in, right? So they had a new way of distributing their their content, and they leveraged this technology to to gain market share. But ultimately, they are all media companies. Okay,
0: so to some extent, so we could say what matters is the degree, like to what extent you rely on technology when it comes to your innovation of your of product of your product. And also how is it really something new or we are just Mm -hmm. reusing old concepts to maybe present certain things in a different way? And okay from this
2: I would go like the next step in the consideration would be how much of the knowledge do we need in-house, right? So if you're building something that's highly innovative on the tech side, you need to have as much of the technical knowledge in-house. So you probably either shouldn't use external agencies uh, from scratch or should start building an internal team as soon as possible, right? So that uh, dictates the kind of leadership role that you need. On the other side, if you are building something that's similar to other things, that leadership role could be involved in managing various partners without building this internal team. Got it,
0: got it. And uh, could you give us like an, a, a tangible example of the of this kind of a company?
2: Right, so going back to this example of building an online store, right? You, if, if you're building an online store, selling your innovative product, you don't really need an in-house team, right? Because an online store is almost a commodity and any provider can, can build it. You mm-hmm. need one person to be responsible for the delivery of this, right? And for managing all the uh, potential external partners or like freelancers or whatever setup you have but in the end like you could set it up on on shopify or, or something like this it's more of a commodity mm-hmm. on the other side so it's it's easy to use existing infrastructure yes, yes. or like mm-hmm. you build custom infrastructure for your for your company but it's not something novel mm-hmm. with reusable blocks yeah. building blocks on the other side if like the, the innovation itself is technical i think like it's sort of a given that if what you're building is technically innovative, you probably already have someone like this on your team that wants to lead this innovation. Mm-hmm. So
1: Okay, that's actually a pretty interesting uh, example. If we can focus on that right now, you said that you already have someone on your team that has some orientation about the product, but how do I know as a, for example, a CEO of the company, if the person I have already in my team is the right one to build innovative product? Because there's a certain amount of experience uh, or skill set that is required for this person to be uh, a leader of a team. However, we're gonna call him CEO, head of engineering, or whatever. But how do I know how I can identify the person that is right for the position, or if it's uh, good for, for example, for this stage of, of development, mm-hmm. but will not work out later when we when we want to grow? Yeah, I, th- I
2: think you're bringing up a very good point that it varies with what stage of development you're at and I think we should come back to this later, but it's a very difficult question in general to be able to tell if someone is good for the role or not. Usually, like, you know it in hindsight, if it worked out or not. Good indicators would be track past track record, right? So if someone already worked in this role, then it's much easier to judge. But I think in many cases, you have first-time founders, first-time teams that are new to this. And I think it's not set in stone. And what you should focus on is, like, finding people that are self-aware enough to know that they are up for the challenge, but we'll be okay with stepping down if they're not suitable for this role. And if you're upfront and honest about this and you have this discussion before, this could help. Because like at start, when you're starting a a company like this, there's a lot of uncertainty and your first focus is actually figuring out if you can build this right. And then obviously finding product market fit, but that's not the responsibility of the tech side. So I would advise to focus on finding someone that can build it and you mean yeah, as if like if if you're starting out and you're looking for a team, it's unlikely that the person that is starting to build it right now is exactly the person that you need for a CTO of like a hundred person company. So you need someone that wants to become this person eventually or wants to help you get to the point where you need to hire this person. And is able to help you build the product that you're building in a good way. Because like if you fail to build it, you won't ever have the problem of the 100 people company, right? So it's much more important to find someone who who can actually deliver and get the product going
1: okay so following the idea uh, if i understand it correctly it's uh, because we see quite often that uh, it's very hard to find a cto obviously and some startups are postponing the production of the of the solution for example until they will find a cto Uh, and what's your opinion on that versus like pushing the um, development of the product and like CTO recruitment is going uh, on the way uh, somewhere on the background, but uh, mm-hmm. the CTO will jump eventually and probably change something, uh, uh, which way, what are the cons, uh, constant pros of uh, both uh, both so um, options?
2: I would say that you don't really need a CTO from, from that get-go. And obvious disclaimer like i have a bias because i have been enacting cto sort of for for several startups where they were just starting out they had no technical leader on board at first and they reached out to us to to help them and we provided them with both like the engineering team but also the the leadership on the engineering side so i have this obvious bias but having said that Not always you have this case where you need this person with this strict vision of how things should be built. Usually when you're starting out, you have some vague idea of what you want to be building, right? But the first phase of development is like learning about what the market needs and adjusting your products to to what you're learning. So So what you actually need is someone who's able to quickly iterate on your ideas and build them in a way that will not blow up in a few years, right? So it has to be built in a sustainable way. That's that can be worked on and can be iterated. But since you're still looking for the product market fit, you're actually looking for what your core product is. It's not that important to spend your effort on having like strict technical leadership and so on.
1: So would you say that it's more important to actually get a good product owner in the beginning instead of CTO?
2: Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah. Like a good development team definitely needs obviously developers, but also needs product owner who has this vision of what the product should be and will manage the changes to the product. You need a, a quality assurance team or a person, I guess. So so getting the basics of the team, I would put this as more more important than than finding the CTO. What is difficult without a s- without a technical leader is scaling the team. Right? Because when you're at like five to seven people, you can communicate and plan by having just a meeting, right? And when you grow, you start to have this those issues that like people have to report to someone, you have to have this management layer, and you have to have you know one-on-ones with people. So as the team grows, the management overhead grows, and that's when you need a management layer on the on the tech side as well. And if
0: we were to maybe label this this let's say imaginary position as of now let's say i'm a business founder and um i don't have any technical co-founder uh, of my own and you say okay maybe the cto is not really necessary especially if the product is no- not super innovative on the on the tech side but i still need mm-hmm. someone who is going to basically build it and how would you how would you name this position yeah. for this first hire on the tech
2: side i would name it the lead developer of a new product mm mm-hmm. And in the description, I would put that this is a role that has an opportunity to grow into head of engineering or CTO. And this has this hidden Mm -hmm. benefit of being able to attract certain people that you wouldn't otherwise be able to because of market rates or the general problem with recruitment that everyone has right now. So I personally know people that have accepted offers at below market rates just because of being able to to grow into this leadership position over time. Because on, on the other side when you're looking for a job, right, and you want to become a leader on the tech side, actually a lot of the positions either require certain experience, right? or are promoting from within. So if you're in a job where you want to grow, but there is no room in your current company, it's actually quite difficult to switch to a more managerial position uh, without experience in managing people. So this is a nice niche to be in with an interesting offer for, for this kind of people.
0: So the job description would definitely like require this person to be able to technically build the solutions. Yes as for the, let's say, foreseeable future. But it wouldn't be super heavy on the leadership part, but someone who would aspire maybe to be the leader mm-hmm. at some point.
2: Yeah, so I would be okay. upfront that like you are the first developer. Mm-hmm. You will be responsible for building the product. We will be building a bigger team that you will lead. And eventually, if you're interested, you can grow into like more leadership position.
1: That's actually a pretty interesting point that you, you've you mentioned here because as you said yourself, there's a huge problem with recruiting as a CTO or developers even on the market. So when I as a founder want to attract a top talent, obviously the salary is the first uh, first thing that, uh, that I can offer. Early stage, probably not so high. Second one, as you mentioned, is the possibility to grow to be a leader. What could be the other things that I as a founder can secure for the future hire to attract him more to to come to and work for me? Uh, Mm. Tricky question.
2: That's uh, that's a very tricky question. Like if I knew I would be uh, (laughs) doing a lot of those things. I think a lot of people are attracted to being able to make choices, especially early on with the product. So being able to choose the technology stack, decide where the app is deployed and so on, right? So you only get to make those changes a few times within the lifecycle of a project. So probably at the start and then like at some point there is this huge migration effort to get from one hosting place to another or like a new technology shift. But that's a huge decision that requires like a lot of internal politics and so on so the easiest way to do this is to be there from scratch and actually make the choice yourself so that's potentially attractive to certain types of developers Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's anything else that i can Come up with like this spot.
1: When it comes, uh, I have one pos- possible. I don't know. Uh, prove me wrong. We are talking to a lot of impact startups, and we are we really put a lot of effort to to make sure that the impact is balanced well with the business side. How do you think it's important, or it's if this could be used as a leverage to attract top talent? How, from your perspective of um, talking to a lot of people, do you see a trend for uh, developers to? willingness to work on an impact product, even though it might not be that uh, innovative or it's still a preference to go towards more complicated, more challenging tech products, even though they are not impactful.
2: Mm -hmm. So I think you're touching on an interesting point because part of the problem with hiring right now is that wages are inflated by the big tech companies. So like the, the Google, Amazon, Apple, Facebook and so on. And the reason that they are paying such high salaries is partly because they need to put those golden handcuffs on people. So for people unfamiliar with the term golden handcuffs means that you're getting paid so much that your lifestyle gets inflated enough that uh, it's difficult to quit or almost impossible to quit unless you're quitting for another job that gives you the same kind of golden handcuffs. But with the recent outrage at how big tech is working, I think there is a trend of people deciding that it's not worth it and they don't want to spend their lives, you know, optimizing ad revenue by 0.1% and they want to, like, programmers in general are force multipliers and that's a rare opportunity uh, to, like, you, you have this power to multiply whatever you're working on. And if you're working on uh, surveillance and ad tech, at some point you might realize that that's not what you want your legacy to be and you switch to uh, something more meaningful. And that is the story that, that you could be selling to, to those potential hires if you are building an impactful startup.
1: I think it's a trend not only among uh, developers, but generally business uh, driven people as well. I, I see it more and more that people are like quitting their jobs, wanting to work on something impactful. As you said, in a place of developers, the, the problem is a bit deeper because of the uh, level of salaries. But uh, I want to believe that the trend actually is there. Uh, and I will I will observe it uh, with curiosity, but uh, I really want to want it to be uh, to be true.
0: Maybe just to mention a case that I had a couple of weeks ago. I've spoken with a startup doing um, improving transparency in supply chains, um, mainly for food companies. And uh, they had this attitude, as you mentioned, like, it's like, okay, we are so great, we have impact. Um, it's not going to be so difficult to attract people. And guess what happened? <laughs> it was difficult for them. <laughs> So, i'm what I'm just trying to say is that um I can I, I would agree that this trend is is kind of happening, but it doesn't mean that it reached the mainstream,
1: yeah, it's uh, like a step below the utopia probably uh, as for now, <laughs> but uh, probably hopefully it's going down. That's what I want to believe, yeah,
0: cool. um maybe going back a bit to the to the life cycle of of like um when the project evolves, at the beginning we discussed that maybe this the CTO is not required. Maybe some kind of a technical lead is, is a good person, a good fit for this stage. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit more how it evolves over time? When the company reads seed level, Series A, Series B, yeah, um, how the what kind of skills are necessary and if the same person is able to
2: do it. So if I was building a career path of this person, right, I would at this point where we're reaching a larger scale, I would suggest two options. So one is to go either into like the lead architect role because someone has to take leadership for in the how we're building it and what technical decisions we're making and so on. And the other path is more managerial and this is what uh, probably most people think of when they hear CTO. So as the team grows, as the company company grows you hire more people so you need to manage them somehow and that means building a management structure so the way i look at it is that one person can reasonably have one-on-ones with probably 5 people 7 would be stretching it right because like that's how many direct reports you want to have and if you're building like this hierarchical organization and that's maybe another discussion if you should but if you're building this like classic hierarchical organization you need to add layers so that you don't suddenly find yourself responsible for like directly responsible for 30 people so by the sheer amount of people you're growing in your organization you need to add more more layers and so creating a good structure like this yeah, is the first uh, that's that's one of the skill the challenges is. right mm-hmm. so and with this structure, like it is everything that that you would think of within like being a good manager, right? So again, like running those one-on-ones, but also like in general making sure that people are happy and fulfilled in their job, and dealing with all the issues that arise and resolving conflicts and so on. And that takes a lot of time. And as the team grows, like you get more people on the team. So you have even more interactions between people. So more potential for for conflicts, more in general things you have to deal with. Right. The flip side of this coin is that if you want your organization to grow, you need to focus on recruitment. And I think this is something that's often overlooked and maybe not focused on when recruiting a CTO, but a CTO is basically a recruiter half-time and a manager the other half-time, right? So because as a CTO, you're responsible for delivering the goals on the tech side, you need to have people to do this. And you become sort of responsible for making sure that you have enough people to deliver the the things that you need to deliver. So you need to be involved in recruitment. And that is on one side building a system for recruiting people and verifying candidates and onboarding them and so on but also on the other side there is a great value in having a cto with a good network so we worked with a few of those and some of them we run into in, in various companies over the years because they just like move in within this world because they're pretty well connected and they, they just land jobs between uh, different companies that we work with but because of that they also know a lot of people right so they uh they have a big network on linkedin for example and they can recruit there uh, if they post a job there it gets uh, a job uh, offer there it gets uh pretty decent reach if they need to hire some external help they know who to reach out to they have a lot of people that were in the they know a lot of people that were in similar situations so they can ask around so a big part of this role is just being connected to other people in the same role and keeping up and knowing when to ask and who to ask for external help
0: i would definitely agree about the statement that it's also quite often overlooked uh I remember so many conversations when when founders or CDOs, some, some kind of tech leads at the different companies, they told me, and we were talking about the recruitment, they told me, well, we need five people, but you know, I have a friend and my girlfriend knows a guy and there is this student, so it's almost three people and then there's just two left, so we are going to make it sooner or later. And um, the problem with this approach is that it's not systematic, as you mentioned, so it's not about like building the network, having some reach to different people, they're not thinking in terms of you need probably i don't know one hundred c v s to hire two people or so, but rather I just know a bunch of people and maybe it's it's gonna work itself out and maybe it's maybe it is it's the case but uh I would say more often than that than not it's uh, uh it's the opposite they they simply struggle and um um yeah i mean the market it is what it is so there there are no easy answers here i would say.
1: Okay, we we're talking to uh, here about like how to find the perfect person and how to identify this, uh, certain set of skills that we're, that the CTO position or uh, lead engineer position required. But turning around the question, how not to hire a bad person? What would you consider as a like big red flags in a CV or in a conversation with someone mm-hmm. you want to hire? But definitely would be should be like okay, there's something wrong. Uh,
2: so. I think we should just come back a bit to to this question of like who should you be hiring at what phase, right? So I think it's a different person at different stages, right? So at first we are hiring someone who can build the product from scratch and possibly grow into the role of of the CTO, and if you are hiring the CTO at a later stages completely different person with a completely different set of responsibilities. So the red flags at the first stage, I think from what I saw personally, is people that they need to be able to work in a team. So it could happen that you hire someone and they're great at building this thing, but they don't scale infinitely. I think there, there is a limit of what they can build and they need help and they need to be able to work with people and that's not often the, not always the case right so if you can catch this it sounds pretty
0: o- obvious
2: yeah, if you can catch this pretty early then it's it's good because it can lead to major problems down the road if if you learn it like a few months in the other red flag would be trying to like claiming that they know everything and overselling their their skills uh, i think no one knows everything and i would look more for people that are humble and down to earth about their, their skills and eager to learn and wanting to to learn from other people and wanting to hire people sort of better than them to learn from them, other than trying to be the smartest person in the room. So on, on the early stage, that would be it. And on the later stage, I think the biggest win would be getting good reference calls because those people already have experience and they have worked with various companies along the way and the biggest red flag would be if like they can't get good references uh, to present or like no one wants to talk about them and or no one has anything good to say about them. So uh, I would leverage this in, in this case.
0: Cool. maybe just to to sum it up a bit, uh, we we've discussed many different topics today. We started with with a better understanding of what uh, how technical the company actually is is if if the innovation is something that is heavily happening on the tech side or, Maybe uh, the solution that they're trying to build is, is something that has already been built and um, if that's the case, um, the product it's not so complicated usually and it, it's possible to rely more on external people, but if the tech is really the key, they're like um, complicated algorithm or other uh, IP happening on the tech side, then probably the team should be a bit more internal. And uh, then we talked a bit about the role of the, of the CTO, I mean, some kind of a technical lead. So uh, CTO, it's, uh, it's, it's, to some extent, it's a label. It's in early stages, it means one thing, so in later stages, it means another. Uh, to make it sure the more early stage it is, the more this person should be like a good developer with, with ambitions to become a manager in the, in the future. The more later stage it is, it's probably more about recruiting skills as of today considering the challenges on the market um obviously plus someone who knows how to organize the team how to create a good structure for for the tech team to to be able to quickly develop things um yeah we also gave some tips about uh, recruitment in general what how to look at people maybe what kind of things to avoid um yeah greg is there anything else that you would um recommend uh especially to we are talking about like business founders, I mean, if, if someone have a is lucky enough to have a technical co-founder, then things are pretty easy usually. Uh, but is is there any kind of last recommendation that you would have for them to, uh, to, to be able to move forward with, with those problems?
2: I honestly don't have anything that comes to my mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so tough that it's really hard to give a good advice. It, it
0: actually means that we covered the topic very well and it's, uh, you know, it's, there is nothing more that we can talk about. Um, cool. Um, yeah, I think uh, we have everything in place. Thank you so much, Greg, for the, for the overview. I hope that uh, what we presented today was, was valuable. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for the next episodes.
1: Thank you. Thanks.